What up, Celeste? Welcome hey. to the Oasis Podcast. Hey! Hi, yeah, guys. It's so good to have you. Um, as we as we just told you, that we, there's a blurb. It, everybody just knows you now, and you are their best friend. They're so excited to hear from you. <laughs> no, but we are excited yeah. to hear from you. Well, let's start with something easy. Like, yeah. Where are you now, and what are you up to? Yeah, so right now, I am living in Detroit, Michigan. And right now I work at a K through eight school as the principal's assistant right now. And I was doing conditioning, but then I stepped down from that. So I'm just focusing on doing admin work. Okay. Wow. What, yeah. what is conditioning? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, making kids run the pacer. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh, I thought you were serious for a second. I was like, you are the worst. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, conditioning is, it's about teaching kids how to use their bodies um, to be like, you know, to physically perform well. Okay. So I've been teaching them like how to like, how do you run right? How do you breathe right when you run? And um, teaching them sports from the very basics. Oh, cool. And that's something I really loved because I'm so competitive. And <laughs> it, it was really fun while I did it. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Super fun. So how'd, how'd you get to Detroit? Yeah. Good question. Um, I think it's what, three years ago, um, you guys announced mission trips. And I think this is the one where there was one going to Puerto Rico. Was it during uh, that? Was it? LA, LA. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep, so there was that. The Puerto Rico trip. was the year before. Yep. Okay. Yeah. It was that and going to Detroit. And I remember. The moment you guys announced that, God was like, you're going to go there and you're going to go serve. And I was like, I don't know if I can. Like, I haven't been on a trip in a while. So when I went on the mission trip, it was life changing and it changed the way I was walking with the Lord and how I interacted with people. And like, that's where my heart ignited for international students. And I think just seeing the need and like, what I noticed at South Dakota state, like there was such a segregation within like the union itself. Mm. And like that broke my heart because I'm like, man, we are so comfortable with hanging out with people who look just like us, but like, that's not what heaven's going to look like, you know, and that's not who we are. Like as God's people, we're not going to be hanging with the people who look like us. And so that's what really ignited my heart that next year after the mission trip was like, really pursuing people who don't look like me and just loving them and sharing the gospel with them. Um, so then when that next year came around with Detroit again, I I remember I asked Dave and I was like, so are you going to let me come back on this trip? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, like you, you know, he's like, I'll definitely let you come. And I had like a weird feeling like that he had something like up his sleeve in a way where like, he didn't want to tell me anything. Huh. And I was like, okay, there's something like huge going to happen on this trip. Like, I just know God's going to do something great. And that's just like what my prayer was going into the trip. I'm like, God, I don't know what it's going to be, but just like, help me be obedient to whatever you're going to do. Um, so when I came back the second time, we had a conversation with Pastor Santis that like the next morning we came in. And it was this conversation, it was like crucial conversations, just even about race. And growing up my whole life, like, you know, you never heard about the conversation of race. It was always mm -hmm. like this taboo subject, For especially sure. as just not being somebody who's 
black, like just being a minority itself, like there was, I felt like there was never a space for me to share my heart, you know, with dealing with racism and dealing with people looking at you weird. Um, and I remember I shared a conversation, or I shared how I felt about like how I viewed the American dream and how like even my mom moving to America. And I remember I sobbed and I broke down. I know Jaina was there, but it was, it was such an anointing moment of like, I felt like everything was falling up, like falling around me. It's like, you know, like when they walked, like was it in Jericho, like they walked and like all the walls came For crumbling sure. down. Yeah. Like that's how it felt. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, I feel like I can breathe because there is a space for me to share my voice. And there is room for me at the table to share this. And, uh, and later on that week, I had a conversation with Janice, who was um, an administrative assistant here in Detroit. And I sat in her chair, just hanging out. And she was like, Hey, like, do you want to move to Michigan? Like, you know, she's like, I just feel like God is telling me that you're going to move here. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I was like, absolutely not. I've already done back up. From South Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I'm exhausted already. You know, I'm like, I can't move again. So then I remember I was really fighting that with her. And then a couple days later, Santee's talked to me about it too. About He's like, well, what's your heart about moving here to Michigan? And I was like, I was like, were you and Janice talking? Um, and I just felt very cornered in a way, but I was like, oh no, like God is, God is moving and God is speaking. Like, and this is what he wanted me to encounter on this trip. And, and I remember I really wrestled with that first like initial calling to Detroit because the year before Dave made a, he made a comment about how we often want to move to the places like we do mission trips because we just get so caught up in the emotions and like the memories in a way and how you feel like great after that trip. And you're like, this is the place I want to move and be. And, and so even after that first Mm -hmm. trip, I was like, Oh, I, I'm, I'm going to try to stay away from Michigan because I loved, loved Detroit. And I was like, I'm going to stay away from that. So then I was honestly shocked when I was like digging really deep into like that calling throughout that whole week because I was like, am I coming to this place like out of my own intention and my own flesh, or is it truly God's will and his goodness that he's calling me here? And then, yeah, I think by like that Thursday night, I was like, okay, Lord, like you are calling me here. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm like, I'm ready to just pick up my bags and go again. So Mm -hmm. that's how I ended up moving to Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) so crazy short enough right super simple you just yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly (laughs) but i love your story and i love just all of the intricacies of it you know it's multiple years it's it's saying yes and saying no it's the door opening and closing it's it's being scared and yet filled with excitement there's just this duality to what god was doing in your life at the time where he was calling you somewhere else while still rooting you presently at sdsu and what you were doing here and so before I ask, all, I got a thousand questions, but let me, Jana was there. So <laughs> yeah. You were part of this second trip to Detroit. And so when this yes. video comes out, I think we will just have gotten back from Detroit. 
I can't. I'm trying to figure out my timeline. So people like we're taking another trip to Detroit. Celeste is actually going to help us yeah. lead that, and so we'll be hanging out with you here yeah. in a couple of weeks. And so when this comes out, we'll be just getting back. But Jaina's been before. Yeah. So as you walked yeah. alongside Celeste and like process mm-hmm. this, what was what was that like from your end, or yeah. what questions you have? Yeah, it was cool to yeah to see this kind of playing out and to see you every day kind of wrestling with it a little bit and even not really knowing fully what you were wrestling with but to see it um and then cool to see you surrender but um what do you feel like God has done now that you have been in mm-hmm. Detroit for a couple years or or what do you feel like he's leading you into Girl, I wish I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I see the thing is like every from when God called me from Alaska to South Dakota, I had this, like these dreams, like so elaborate, like, I don't know what it was, but like, uh, that, I that, showed up to South Dakota. That sounds like the Holy what? Spirit. <laughs> that yeah. sounds like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like something he'd yeah. do. <laughs> oh yeah. And I like, and then I showed up and I was like, and then now I look back in like three years at South Dakota, I'm like, that was nothing I ever envisioned. And so when I was moving to Michigan, of course, I had all of these dreams and ideas of what Michigan was going to look like. But as soon as I stepped foot here in August 2020, it was everything I didn't expect. Mm. You know, like now, like God has put me in a position to be leading worship at church. Like that's bonkers (laughs) (laughs) because I never sing in front of anybody. And the only reason they got me to get on worship was because pastor Santis helped move our stuff and he saw I had a guitar and then they threw me into worship like two months later. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) but I mean, even that has been so empowering, like to experience the gifts that God has given me, but I realized I've suppressed them for so long. Mm -hmm. And that was because it was all based out of fear and just what other people thought. And as I've been living here in Michigan, I realize I have to stop caring what others think, you know, just being somebody who wants to have other people see me and be like, oh yeah, she's successful. She's great. And I've always just been fearful of like failing. And I just feel like what he's doing right now is he's teaching me like, it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to be failing and not knowing what you're doing and not knowing what the path is. But all he's asking me to do is just be obedient. You know, at the end of the day, like it's just following him hmm. and not, yeah. not following what the world is calling you to do. So, yeah, that's preaching. Pre- yeah, preach probably that. way more <laughs> applicable to the people listening than if you'd said, This is the specific thing God wants me to do of just that simple faithfulness to step into what God yeah. has, even in the midst of not knowing the final outcome. So, that's well, so cool. And right. so, one of the things I find so incredible and fascinating about your story is on the the back end on like just hearing p- bits and pieces as we're going through this I'm hearing like Celeste might be called the Detroit and so I'm thinking you're going there to join a church staff like that's where my mind was at so all of a sudden mm-hmm. I hear this news that you're actually not lo- working in the church you've mm-hmm. you're working with kids K through 8th grade and we talked about like mm-hmm. that is my nightmare but you're <laughs> doing it you're living it out and so like what does it look like to be called to an area because sometimes I feel like we get so confused mm-hmm. on what God's going to do. Like we think if God's going to call us somewhere, it has to be vocational ministry. Like if God's mm-hmm. calling me to a, a different country, like I'm going there mm-hmm. not to work in the secular word world, but just to be in the religious system. Or if God's calling mm-hmm. me to Detroit, I need to be a missionary in Detroit. I need to work in a church. 
But for someone who just goes to be a part of a church, not to to lead it, but -hmm. just goes in faithfulness because you felt like you were called to the area, to the people there. What does that look like? Yeah, I feel like I'm still like navigating that because yeah, I also was, I, that was like a part of like my envision of like, oh, I'm going to move there and I'm going to be on staff and it's going to look beautiful and great. And it like, nothing was like that. Yeah. I'm a part of the church and I'm leading worship and I'm serving in kids church, like all these things where I'm like, this is all great. And I'm still serving the people and still loving people and building relationships. But also like at the end of it all, I was just like, I just, I just want to be here because that's all God told me to do. Cause mm. the way I found the job was pastor Santis randomly emailed me like, Hey, they're looking for a teacher's assistant job. Like, are you interested? And I was like, well, this is my only option. Might as well. And then I just applied and then I was working at a summer camp. So that was the summer I was trying to plan a wedding, trying to do school and working at a summer camp in a pandemic. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'm going to just apply for this job for fun. Let's see if I get it. And I remember like, it was just this waiting game where I had to wait probably a good month before (laughs) like they told me like, oh yeah, like you're accepted. Like come move here. And I actually found out I got the job a week before camp was over. So then the first week of August, they were like, yes, like, you know, we'd love to have you work here. Then I finished my week of camp and then I had a week to pack up all of my belongings and then drive 10 hours to make it to my job like that next Monday. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have no idea what any of this is going to look like. And I still don't. I still like, <laughs> what am I doing? Who am I? Like, cause it like, I just feel like I was, I'm currently being just stripped of all of these dreams, but I realized they were all these dreams of like, of like fleshly dreams, you know, if that makes sense, like worldly dreams of like, I envisioned myself to just be this great leader and to be somebody who was just doing amazing things. But it's like, no, God is still doing amazing things. Even if I'm just an assistant in a, you know, in the city. And like, that's okay. I'm still doing God's work. I'm still being, being obedient. And one of the things too, I remember before God, um, before I moved to Michigan was God told me that I was going to move to Michigan to learn at the feet of people who know more than I do. Mm-hmm. And that is what I held on to. That was the truth I held on to. And that's what I ran with. So I feel like it was a lot easier for me to, to like adjust to, everything that I didn't expect because yes, I am learning from so many people who know so much more than I do. Like I'm the youngest one on my staff and I'm surrounded by all of these godly people who just pour into me, who are talking, like I was just with a few staff members today and we're just talking about racial reconciliation. Like you don't get to like walk in on those conversations every day because people aren't comfortable with those kind of conversations, but that's something like we need to be talking about more. And like, that was like, yes, this is why God called me is because I get to sit and listen to these people talk about these kind of conversations. And then they allow a space for me to talk. Like, I don't know. It's just like at the end of it all, I'm just like, this is, this is God's plan for me right now here in Michigan. So Yeah. yeah, that's so good. So good.
When you say, I want to flush this idea out. When you say you, you felt God ca- told you to go and to learn at the feet of other people, um, sometimes we use like, and I, I'm so guilty of it. Like we say that like God told us, but oftentimes mm-hmm. people don't understand what that means. So for you, what did that actually look like to feel like you heard from God? You received this from mm-hmm. him. What's that process for you look like? So when someone's sitting in, in the other side of this conversation and they're like, what would it look like for me to receive from God? What is that yeah. for you? Yeah, that's a great question because God, he's so audible to me. Mm. I can just, I can hear him. And it's, it's one of those things too, where it's like, I think it's going to be this big booming voice, but when you're so in, like, when you're in tune with the spirit and your heart just so badly desires to just like want to know Jesus's heart, like your intent, I don't know, like for me, when God told me that, I remember I was journaling and like, what I do is like, I, I just sit there and I just wait in the spirit and I'm just like, okay, God, I'm just going to start writing and I'm going to hear from you. And I just start writing every single word that I hear in my head. And I can't let an ounce of doubt during that moment that God is speaking to me because I think it's so easy to be like, oh, well, that's just my subconscious or that's just what my mind is processing. But it's like, I look back through all my journals and the way like God has spoken to me through journaling. And I'm like, that is exactly what God said. Like, Hmm. but like the enemy wants us to even let in a small ounce of doubt. And then you're going to just, in a sense, like then you're going to let yourself get in the way of what God actually wants to speak to you. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is like, you have to allow yourself to be removed. You have to take yourself away from it. Every ounce of your flesh and like who you are and like, and what the world is doing and what the enemy is doing, because like that is such an intimate moment with you and the Lord, whether it's just sitting there and listening to, to him or whether it's like you just journaling and listening to him, like that's going to be the moment. I firmly believe like that's the moment where like the enemy is going to want to attack you the most because we get attacked so much like with our thoughts and with our minds. So. Yeah. Oh man. My mind know. is just, <laughs> full of quotes like Jenny Allen her one that I'm loving right now is the spiritual war of our generation is fought between our ears this idea that where we are battling as a generation is in our minds so of course that's where the enemy is going to attack us but also on meditation and silence and listening and journaling Richard Foster says in meditation we're seeking to think God's thoughts after him so our um, pursuit yeah. and our desire is to orient our minds so that we think the mind of Christ, so that what yeah. he is thinking is what we are thinking. So this, is it me or is it the spirit? When we're in that, when we're stepping into that moment of meditation with the heart, trusting our heavenly father prayed and in the spirit, like there is no, there is no division. We're seeking to right. think God's thoughts after him. There's an overlap there. So it's both. It is me and it is God. It's him leading through my thoughts. I think that's so beautiful. Right. So good. Yeah, so good. Oh, Celeste, that's so good. <laughs> Wait, you got anything yet? Yeah. Uh, we want to change the direction. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Ahead. We'll change the direction <laughs> a little bit. Um, talk a little bit about what your time at Oasis was like or as a college student. What did you like, enjoy? What were you involved in? How did you spend your time? Kind of very open-ended question a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Man, I love – Oasis, I think back to like the way I like heard about Oasis was through um, 
Kira actually mm. suggests he's a wife. And I don't know how, like I ran, like, I don't know, a bunch of like Oasis people just happen to be ambassadors too. Oh yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So I remember like every single person I met that night and just how they're like, yeah, go to Oasis and everything. And I was like really encouraged by that community already of like, oh, like they really want you to be there. So I remember when I came, I was so overwhelmed by the amount of people. Um, but I was also super excited to see like what God was going to do. And um, so, yeah, I was just a part of a small group, the f- group the first year. I just hung out, didn't really like get involved. Um, and then I remember by the end of the school year, um, Kira actually cornered me and was like, why aren't you applying for small group? And I'm like, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. Like, so it was just, yeah, I like, I don't believe like I would have been a small group leader if she didn't believe that I could lead people well. And that was something I needed. And I remember, and I don't, yeah, I don't know. So anyways, yeah, small group was great. And then leading small group. Um, and it was just a great learning experience and the community and like the people you get to see every single day. And like you walk into just that foyer and it's just like, there's people and you can just jump from group to group and just say hi and like check in on them or, you know, and then the snacks were always amazing. And Let's go. <laughs> we know the way to the people's uh, yeah. hearts. Through the snacks. Yeah. <laughs> the snacks, that slaps. Um, but yeah, I yeah, I love everything about Oasis. And like even the my last year at being Oasis, like my heart and intention was to bring in more international students. Mm-hmm. And so like I I would remember like just like I loved our powerful prayers, like right before like we would go out to the foyer and greet people, and I loved that and and it was just so, yeah, I was like that. And then I remember I would leave right after prayer and I would go back to school and go pick up all these students to bring them back so that they can like hear about Jesus too. And just like seeing how just inviting somebody can change their whole life. Yeah. And I think we often limit ourselves to the fear of rejection and we just don't want them to say no. So then we just immediately close the door. And I got shut down so much that year by so many people. But then there were still a few that still wanted to come every single Sunday with me. And I'm like, that's okay, because God is still moving in their lives, whether they're here or not, if they show up every Sunday or not. Like what matters is that the invitation is there and that they are still welcome no matter what. There so, yeah. Preaching Mark 4 now, Celeste. You're just rolling, like, <laughs> spread the seed. That's the call. Some's going to get eaten. Some's going to land on fertile soil. That's not your job to worry about. It is your job to spread the seed. Invite the people. Let God worry about them and their spiritual journey. You are not the Messiah. Your job is to be the bridge to connect them to community and to the opportunity to connect with Jesus. That's what sharing the gospel is. You are not saving yeah. someone. You are planting a seed in which God can water and fertilize that seed. So right. good. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> One thing that I think is really cool that you could share about is, so you went to Detroit the first time and you said, mm-hmm. one thing that just struck me is how easy it was for us to function in community with people who look like us. And you came mm-hmm. back to SDSU and you let that change how you functioned. That is one of the beautiful takeaways of what we want everyone to experience when they go on mission. If they are going to go mm-hmm. on a mission trip, they're going to go serve anywhere in the world any and do, to do mm-hmm. anything 
They need, we need to be people who take it back with us to our local context and let it change us. If we just go to Detroit and we serve and we learn and we have a great time and we come back to Brookings and SDSU and we are the same people, we have done it wrong. Mm. So speak about what, what you did when you came back that flowed from your first time in Detroit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like my heart was like, I don't want to come back to Brookings the same person and I don't want to go back to the same routine. Like something's need needs to change because people need to be hearing the gospel. And I just like, I, I wanted people to know Jesus. And I remember there was one day, like just a few weeks after the trip and I asked God, okay, how, God, how can I be obedient today? And, you know, I'm expecting like, oh, just be nice to people. I just pray a little more, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But he was like, Celeste, you are going to open up your home, go find international students and go love on them because homemade meals are the most intimate thing that people love, you know? And I was scared out of my mind because I don't like hospitality. I think I'm like the worst hostess. <laughs> like, I think I just get so anxious and controlling <laughs> and, I'm not, and I'm not fun to be around. But, <laughs> I <was> like, okay. <laughs> but you probably throw like, bomb I, parties. You're so detail oriented. You're going to get everything right. But then all of a sudden you're going to miss the whole party because you're worrying about the party. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so that was my biggest fear. But I was like, no, I guess I got to just do it. So then I was like, all right, the perfect time is like that Easter Sunday. Like I'll be here. I know people will be here. So then I started to text. No, I think later that day, I like reached out to like Austin and Kayla Aarons and John Begaman. Like these were people that were on the trip the first time around with me. And I was like, guys, like, this is what God's putting on my heart. Like, what can we do about it? Like, this is going to happen. We have to make it happen. And then like, John was actually going to be out of town but he gave me like contact information, like for a lot of international students he knew. So then I was like, Hey, I'm Celeste. Do you want to come over for a homemade meal and eat with a bunch of strangers? <laughs> and, you know, and so that's how it happened. And I remember I was asking more, um, just like Oasis people. I know Jaina, like you were there and I was like, okay, like I just got to allow a space for people to just eat and talk. And it was really cool. Like, I feel like I think it was like around 15 international students ended up like coming over and we had just some of the most beautiful conversations about each other's cultures and just like our hearts and like why people moved to South Dakota. Like, I don't know. I just remember just sitting back and being like amazed at just like God's faithfulness and just by saying yes and just trusting, even though like, your strong suit can like not be hosting, you know, but it's like, there are other people who are good at hosting, invite them to help and invite people to like bring home, like bring over meals to help you like and organize this. Like God didn't call you just to do it by yourself. Like that's why he sends two or more people to like to go and share the gospel. Like, so it was so cool to just see like how God was so faithful. It like just by saying, just asking him, how can I be obedient to you? And then saying yes, even though I was scared of the outcome. But yeah, I was just able to see the Lord's goodness through that. <laughs> and, 
You're describing the church, you know, Ephesians 4, that he gave some to be apostles, teachers, prophets, evangelists, like that list. It's so beautiful because we're not all meant to be everything. You know, as I'm leading mm-hmm. now Oasis, I I struggle with creative thoughts. Like I just, I'm not always one that's really good at pioneering something, but God has given mm-hmm. me Jaina and behind the camera, Dylan guy, like <laughs> he has given me these people to come alongside me in my leadership because maybe you weren't the best host, but you had, a, you had people who would come and host. That's what the church is meant to be, mm-hmm. that we are supposed to support each other. Just because you're not a hand doesn't mean you don't have value. You know, it's just this, oh, that's so good. So good mm-hmm. again. Man, I just, I'm processing now, and so I'm, I'm just yeah. trying to figure it all out. But Yeah. I got Okay, let's give ourselves two-second break. If you watch Jesse's, you know what's coming. Random question time. We'll give this, and then okay. we'll wrap up here in a second after that. Yeah. Celeste, if you could have dinner with any celebrity, past pre- or present, who are you sitting down with and why? Who is coming to your table, and who are you serving that meal to? <laughs> Look, she's in turmoil. <laughs> we'll give her time to think. Oh, I thought you were going to say future. That I'm not going to lie. I was thinking about future celebrity, <laughs> prophetic vision of who will be famous in the future. I you need Jana to go first? Part. No, no, no. This, See, I got you. I caught you off guard. I totally <laughs> ruined the interview with Jesse by asking him about Disney characters. So, there you go. But you got to throw a loop you in know, it. Yeah, otherwise, it otherwise, it's no fun because you know all what we're going to ask. <laughs> So right. we'll have Jana go first, and then okay. you can think about it. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. There you go. Oh, man. That means I have to be ready. Yeah. Oh, oh. Shoot. Okay. Um, so the first person that comes to my head is just a celebrity that I really love. Everybody who listens to the podcast probably knows who it is. Mr. Harry. Yes. Harry Styles. I don't know. He just seems like a really <laughs> kind guy. He'd be funny. Just sit down and hang out with. So there's yeah. probably way better answers than that. If I was to like, think he would really be an interesting deeply, one. He would probably be really interesting. Yeah. He's got some yeah. takes. I would love to just hear like his story too yeah. of just like being in One Direction and then not and then yeah, doing his own thing. Yeah. But yeah, crazy. So. Does that spark anything in you, or and you you want me to go? You can go. So here's the thing: people want me to say Justin Bieber. <laughs> they do, and I want to say Justin Bieber. But to but to be honest, is he going to be the best conversator at a dinner? Mm. Mm. I don't know. Now that he's a Christian, he might be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be fun, but if I'm going for one celebrity at dinner, I'm probably inviting Lionel Messi. Okay. And he doesn't speak English, (laughs) but I'm sure we'd figure it out in this make-believe scenario. You also get a translator that comes along. Yeah, but that's not nearly as fun if you got to function through a translator. So I I either speak Spanish in this scenario or he speaks English. So whatever works, however we want to draw this up. But I feel like he is one of the most humble, down-to-earth people. And I feel like to be one of the gr- the greatest soccer player of all time, but yet have that posture of humility and character, I think that would be a crazy dinner. Mm. Yeah, probably. So switch it up, threw yeah, everybody yeah. off. But Here's the funny thing I just remembered. I saw an ad on Instagram last week that you could like sign up to win um, – a chance to meet Justin Bieber in Paris, and I immediately thought of you, and I almost went and signed you up just because. <laughs> but I, I did it because I needed a lot of information, and yeah. I was like, eh. Yeah, social security number yeah. to meet with Justin Bieber. <laughs> what would you say, Celeste? Okay, well, honestly, the first person that came to mind, he's a character, but Nick Miller from Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. That's so good. 
Like, my wife I just would maybe pick his that. character. I don't want yeah. like the actual. I think it was his name's Jake or I want. I would like Nick Miller. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I get there's that. There's just there's mm-hmm. just chaos yeah. in his I mind. I think I would want to eat a meal yes. in the loft yeah. with the whole crew. That would be. Yeah, that I think that's be. the dream to just mm-hmm. sit and watch them in the loft. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and Celeste, <laughs> super good. <laughs> Sweet. Let's ask like one or two more questions because I think we're running we'll out of time. Yeah. Beer. But when you were moving to Detroit, what do you mm-hmm. feel like is one thing that has helped you in the transition into young adult life, where you now work a full time job, um, you've got just all the responsibilities of adulthood. What is one piece of advice you would give back to the Oasis people as they transition into next seasons or if they're in the transition, same as you? Yeah. I think the first thing that comes to mind is like, just get out of the way, get out of your head, stop thinking, you know, what's going to happen next and just be faithful. Mm. Cause like, I think back to, I had a whole week to figure out like what was going to happen that next week, but just seeing how God provided a place for me to stay for two months. And I lived with this amazing woman for two months in Hamtramck and how like, I was like, just dive deep into that culture there. And then after that, God provided an apartment for John and I, and then God provided like community for him. And I like, I think we often just want to control, like for me, I love controlling things and having to, absolutely surrender my whole self. Like that's literally what it takes for me to get out of the way and just be like, God, do what you got to do because I know what I'm going to try to do next is going to fail. Like if you're not in it. So that's just my piece of advice. (laughs) Yeah. That's so good. Uh, So good. Out of all the questions, do you have one left you want to ask? Oh man. I don't know that I do. Do you have one? Yes. I got a thousand, (laughs) but what is something just like simple, final kind of thought that you feel like God's teaching you in this season? I think what he's teaching me right now is that it's okay to not know what's going to happen next. Yeah. And I still feel like I'm in this season of like, I was very confident these last two years now, almost up two years of living here. And now I just feel like I'm ready to transition into like a new job position or just in a new season of life. And I just, I don't know. I just think something he's teaching right now is just continue to trust in him, continue to be faithful. Like he's like time and time again, like he's done it. So like, why can't you trust him again? And another thing he's been teaching me is like boundaries are healthy and boundaries are good. Like, (laughs) like say no. Yeah. Do like what God has exactly like told you what to do. If like, just don't spread yourself thin because I feel like I spread myself too thin and I didn't get to truly experience the gifts God has given me. Cause now I just wear all these hats and I feel like I've lost what I'm actually good at and what God has gifted me with. And so like walking into now this next season of life, I want to dive deeper into what he has given me. And I want to like edify that to give God glory instead of just doing what other people expect me to do because I'm good at it. Yeah. Oof. So good. That is 
That is a truth bomb at the end. The boundaries thing, we got to roll a whole yeah. other podcast with that. Maybe we'll zoom you in again some other time. <laughs> but Celeste, we are so thankful that you took the time to be with us and to, to encourage our people and be able to teach them. You are one who was here and did incredible things, and God did incredible things in you and through you while you were here. So thank you for your faithfulness both then and now. We're so excited to see you here in a couple weeks. But otherwise, yeah. peace out because we'll see you soon. Bye. See you guys.